We're about to science the fiction out of a top five list. Welcome to Tabletop Shop. To the Tabletop Shop podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mr. Nate Clark, and seated across the world from me is your other co-host, Mr. Cody Pennington. What's up? Hey, speaking of across the world, Nate, sounds like you just woke up. I may or may not have just woken up. I mean, just is not really the right word. It was like 25 minutes ago. So Yeah, well, okay. The morning voice should be gone. And by the, the end of the podcast. By the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And the beautiful, sweet sound of my amazing hosting podcast voice should be present and coming through on the waves. So, Would the appropriate word be tombra, perhaps? You know what, Cody? I've already used my one fancy musical term for the day. Yeah. So, you know, arpeggios is already out of my vocabulary for, you know, like <laughs> the next month. I feel like I can't use it again for a month. I'm certainly not going to use Tombra probably ever. Oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. What about timbre? Are those different Tam- things? I'm not actually sure anymore. You know what? We might start losing the audience here soon because you've almost <laughs> lost me. So. Yeah, this isn't a music podcast <laughs> or audio. I was about to say this is not an audio podcast, and then that That'd didn't make any sense. If you said that, yeah. What did oh. your What did your gaming week? look like did you get a lot of plays in or was it a dry week i got a moderate amount of plays in but what's most exciting is i got a couple new plays in nate i'm excited to tell you about them should we should we start with that because i'm more excited about that than probably anything else you played this week yeah well i mean just gonna start going through my list from the beginning but it's convenient because the last two games on my list are in fact new games so it all works out in the end sure but I'm going to hit you up first with some good old 10-minute heist. Oh, well, that's um, too bad. Yeah, classic little game. Did you know that we've been playing it wrong for basically the whole time we had it? Actually, Ooh. maybe you were there in that game. I was. We, it, it was at like it. I, the last time we played it, at the end of the game, I don't remember what it was. We were like, something doesn't seem right. And then we like <laughs> yeah. realized we were doing something wrong. Because I've had this game for like two or three years no, probably more than that. Three or four like, years. Yeah, it was one of your first. Yeah, yeah, and just didn't know. But all the cards that you're collecting in this set collection game have a number on them. And yeah. there's some scoring tiles that relate to the number on the cards. But we thought that otherwise the numbers had no impact. We thought that whoever had the most cards of a color scored that color. But no, it was whoever yeah. had the most, the, the highest collective number or the sum of numbers on those colors, then you score the thing. And it made a lot you know, more sense why there were like sevens and zeros and sixes you know and stuff. You know what's funny? What? I think we've like we found that out like towards the end or maybe after we finished the game. And it's so convenient because it's such a short game. You can just like play it again. We definitely oh, yeah. did not do that. We definitely <laughs> no, we did, did not, not play it again. <laughs> and that was a while ago. And so Kirsten and I just played it the other day, and that was the first time we'd played it in a long time. Uh-huh. But yeah, tiny little box, probably just a couple of dollars. $2 game. Maybe not. Probably not. (laughs) That would be great. Well, I played that. 
Um, I've gotten back into playing Digital Scythe. I've I seem to switch back and forth between long periods of digital wingspan and long periods of digital scythe. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I, I got another 100 games or so of wingspan under my belt and so <laughs> moved on from that back to scythe. <laughs> wingspan Man. actually moved down my top 100 list um, a decent amount of spaces. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I think I just played it so much that I just don't really want to play it much right now. I'm sure that will change in a couple of months. But for the time being, it's it's a little bit lower on my list. Well, you just need the whatever it is, the Asian Birds expansion that just came out last oh, year. Oh, yeah. The next one? Yeah. Well, probably be a long time before it comes out digitally. But yeah, whatever. For sure. Anyway, yeah. been playing Scythe. That was fun. Been playing Digital Dominion. It's the like only board game app I have on my phone. Yeah, I just don't really like Dominion, man. But in a pinch, <laughs> I've got it on my phone. <laughs> just pull it out. Is it, a, is it the official Dominion or is it like one of the fake? Because there used to be, back in the day, there used to be like these fake kind of versions of Dominion, these Dominion ripoffs that you could get on Android oh, devices. Sure. I, I doubt it's like that anymore. But uh, Well, this is like the beta version of the official app. It's oh, okay. free to download cool. for now. So I think it's pretty official. Well, yeah, but, cool. Maybe yeah, I should even that. get that. Yeah, actually, we might be able to play online, possibly. That'd be fun, because there, there we could, play, we could even play with uh, Kirsten and Anna, because Anna loves Dominion. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, she does. Kirsten, like me, moderately appreciates it, so <laughs> the four of us can all play, and half of us will enjoy it. You know what? It would be fun for all four of us to play a game anyways. Right? That's that's very true. There you go. As best as we can, while we are literally sitting across the world from each other. Yeah. Well... This has gone on too long. Let's get into the games that are new. I was gifted for Christmas the delightful game of Risk Legacy, okay. Nate. Okay. Yeah. Have you heard of Risk Legacy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how can you not? Possibly one of the first Legacy games? I think it is the Legacy Pioneer, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, I've, I've only played the first game. It sounds like you play through a total of 15 games. Or maybe it's sixteen, and the sixteenth game is when you when you get to name the world if you win, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Yeah, the so far, I mean, the first game it's just risk. Like it had a, a couple little twists, but it still comes down to you're getting really frustrated because the defender keeps rolling sixes and sucks. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it sounds like it, it does get more interesting. You actually get to choose a faction to play as each oh, game, awesome. and it's a different faction every time, and. The factions slowly acquire different abilities throughout the game, and you're making choices that will affect the game board permanently. You'll make certain continents worth more or less reinforcements, and you can establish cities that give you population bonuses and all this stuff. So I really don't like Risk, uh, but I have been enjoying the the legacy aspect of the game thus far. I will keep you posted. When it's a Christmas present, you got to try it out at least, right? So. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know if I was pleasantly surprised or even surprised at all, <laughs> but the, the game is meeting my expectations for my balanced measure of low anticipation and high anticipation. Well, this let's has just been move on to the next game because okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm lost. <laughs> all right. Uh, next game I just played like an hour ago. This is Glasgow. Gl- Glasgow? 
Glasgow. 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 I don't know. However you say that. I am a quarter Scottish and I don't know how to pronounce that. Is that an Uwe game? No, it looks like an Uwe game, right, but it yeah. is not an Uwe <laughs> That's game. What I was yeah. Thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It it has your favorite system of ratcheting along a circuit and whoever is farther ah. behind gets to take turns until you catch up. Uh, but it, it, it's kind of clever. It's a little city building game. So it's specifically a two player game. I picked this up on Game Nerds for $15. It was oh, on nice. sale. I was like, that's that's pretty good for a game, even if it's not super great. And I did look it up before, and it seemed interesting. And yeah, you're basically um, jumping along this circular track, collecting resources, and you can spend those resources to build buildings in the center of the board. And it's sort of King Domino style, where you can build a 4x5 or 5x4 grid within those squares, and you can't build outside of that grid. And then as soon as all those 20 buildings are built, you, you score up your points. It's kind of cool because when you put down a building, you it has an every building has an arrow on it. And so you're going to have it facing you or facing your opponent, indicating who built it, who owns the building. And then that's how you know who scores it at the end of the game. So, Interesting. Yeah. Well, it wasn't incredible, but it wasn't terrible. I'll give it that. Okay. 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 What have you been playing, Nate? Oh... A little bit more of the same. Cartographers again, uh, which I just like cartographers more every time I play it. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. That's it, For those who don't know, it's a, it's a flip and write game where you're just kind of, for more and more, I mean, it's really just like a, a Tetris-y little game, basically. Uh, but the theme is kind of cool. The cards look nice. Um, there's a little bit of player interaction where you can sabotage the other people a little bit. Um, and it's just a really fun puzzle, so I love it. Um, also played Imhotep again. Uh, the first time we played it, I it was kind of it was too simple. It wasn't that interesting. The player interaction wasn't that great. We tried it again with like the B side of all the locations. Um, basically, you're like putting cubes on ships and then sending ships to locations, but you, you the the ships are all communal, and so you're both putting cubes on the ships. And then somebody might choose to send one instead of putting a cube on it. And then the depending on which location you send it to, they score differently. And the order in which the cubes come off the boat also will affect, like, it's pretty important. So it's an interesting idea. But even with the more like advanced side of the locations, it's still the game was just not that interesting. And I don't know if it's because we're only playing it with two people or what, but we just like, the concept seems so cool. And yet, I don't know, maybe we just don't, maybe it's just not our type of game. I'm not really sure. But we felt even with the advanced side, like it wasn't, still wasn't that complicated and just wasn't that interesting. So I would not necessarily recommend it, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. Cool. Uh, played some more Seven Wonders Duel, played it once and uh, yeah. hit a milestone in this game, which Ooh, I don't know you if. You, has ever happened to you before but i had a military victory at the beginning of the third round wow dang yeah hey so cool basically story. i literally just played seven wonders duel with kirsten like 20 minutes ago and she beat me with a military victory for like the first time <laughs> that's funny it's <laughs> that amazing dude that's awesome so for those who don't know it's just a little card drafting game and you can win based on victory points at the end but there's also two other ways you can win which are much more difficult which is uh, like collecting certain different types of like uh, science cards. And if you collect enough of different ones, you win. That was very difficult. 
or a military victory. There's like a military track that's a tug of war thing. And if you win that, or maybe a push of war, if you win that, <laughs> you you instantly win. And so that happened, and it was amazing. Um, and played room service again, a pickup and deliver game with uh, a very interesting. You have ten cards to pick from every round. You have to pick four of them, and then you can play those. Uh, but if other people picked them, you might get burned and you might not get up to play them at all. Um, man, uh, Broom Service has got to be like, it's one of the most punishing games I've ever played. Because mm-hmm. you'll pick your four out of ten cards and then the round will start and you'll be like, I hate myself. I should have picked two different cards instead of these, you know. So like, even your own decisions make you angry. And then you'll play a card and you'll be like, ah, I'm going to take a risk. I'll play this one. And then I'll try to take the strong power and then the other person plays it and they take it away from you and you don't get to play it at all and they get to do it. Like, ah, come on. And then then there's another deck of cards where you flip cards over that you get negative three points just for picking those cards. And so the game punishes you, you punish yourself, the other player punishes you. It's just like, it's such a brutal game. But honestly, I really like it a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Weird. Okay, cool story. Sucker for pain, I guess. You're really selling uh, this game. It's but it's honestly it's fun. It's it really is fun. I would recommend it. Um, and then a few new games actually. One is just a party game called Beat That. Uh, it's just a party game. It's like there's like some like party cups and ping pong balls and like a few other like little knickknack things. Hmm. And then there's like a deck of challenges, and a challenge will get flipped over every time, and everybody has to do it. Um, but everyone has these coins. You have five ones three threes and two fives so there's going to be 10 rounds which is how many coins you have and every round you have to bet a coin and you're either going to get to keep that coin and score it basically or you're going to lose it and so but you only have two fives so you're kind of trying to save the higher coins for the ones the challenges you feel like you have more you know that you might be able to win um so that's kind of an interesting it's like a party game but it actually has like it's actually like victory points kind of in a way it's not like just I don't know, like other other uh, party games, I feel like don't really do that. So I thought that okay. was interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, played another game called Dog a couple times, which is kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like Parcheesi or Sorry a little bit, where you have four guys you're trying to get all the way around the board and back home. Um, but it's card driven, and it's not just like the cards are all numbers. About half of the cards are numbers, and the other half are cards with special powers. Um, and so you can use these powers to like manipulate your pieces and other people's pieces more. And it's a team game. So like, you also like secretly pass, not secretly, but, um, you also like, will trade cards with your partner and other stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting, but I think it's a little too long. We also played it with six people, which was just, it was like a two hour game, which oh, for like a Parcheesi style game, that is, that is way too long. Wow. <laughs> um but it was Sounds it was like a party i mean it's the better it's the best version of like parcheesi or sorry or trouble or anything like that for sure so hmm. um and then the most notable new game i have played is the crew deep sea mission ah is it just as bad as the quest for planet nine i remember really disliking the the first crew uh like we played it a few times or we did we played a few rounds of it and it was just like, this is just not that interesting. Yeah. This one I found significantly more interesting. And I don't even know how much different they are because I don't remember the first one that much. Okay. But 
I mean, obviously the general gist is still the same. It's a cooperative trick-taking game. Um, and every round of kind of the criteria is different. But basically how this one works, maybe you can tell me if it's the same or different, but there's a difficulty level. And so you have like your logbook that tells you every mission. But mm -hmm. the logbook doesn't tell you that much. It just gives you a number and then some other information. Um, and so you might get like a five. And then there's this deck of cards with numbers on them. It's like, it's a big deck of cards. Like there's probably like 75 cards or so, maybe more. Um, and they all just have a number on the back. And so you basically flip over cards until you reach seven. And then those are your goals that you have to use. And then you draft them. So the starting player drafts one or passes. And then the next person either drafts or passes until everybody has a goal that they have to accomplish personally. Mm -hmm. But it's still, you know, cooperative. Like everyone's trying to make sure everybody accomplishes their goals. So I don't know if that's how the original one is or not, but I, I enjoyed it more this time, I guess, at any rate. Hmm. That still sounds pretty similar with the drafting of goals thing. Okay. Maybe it functions differently or, but you said, you said there's numbers one through five in that one. Uh, I'm not sure how high the numbers go. Actually. I think the highest we had was five, but it maybe it goes higher. I don't know. Oh, okay. Huh? See here, but, here's my biff with ahead, the crew series is I don't think it's a bad game necessarily. It's just, it seems like there's way too much hype behind it. Like it's, it's way too far up the BGG rank scale for what it is. I think, I think if you're going into the game, riding off the hype, you will be disappointed probably. Hmm. However, yeah. I think the reason it got so much hype is because it's really the first cooperative trick taking game. Like that is not, that had not been done before unless you count hmm. the mind and maybe the mind was even after, I don't know. And that's, that doesn't count. That, that game's stupid. Um, but it's really, it's, it's an ingenious design just because it hasn't been done before. Somebody, they, whoever designed it, I don't know who it is. They took something that has exclusively only ever been competitive. It's like, it's like successfully making chess cooperative somehow, you know, it's like, it's not that it shouldn't be done. It's that it can't be done. And it was done and it was it's funny it's pretty impressive. I was literally just going to use that as a fake example. Like, <laughs> just, I, well, the, the fact that I don't think just because something hasn't been done before should make it awesome. I, what I was going to say is you could make a solo variant of chess, but that doesn't mean that it would be a good thing. And it's not that thing, cooperative trick taking is a bad thing. It's, it's cool that it hasn't been done before. It's just when I play the game, like this is, this is kind of a low level party game. Like I don't, this, this doesn't really, it, doesn't do it for me. I would definitely not call it a party game because it's it's very thinky. I think by definition, kind of party games are not thinky games. Yeah, and this is a point. very like you have to, you have kind of have to be card counting. You kind of have to be thinking. Uh, you have to approach a, like whatever the goals are. You have to approach them from so many different angles and think how can we manipulate this trick taking so that these goals are all accomplished. I don't think it's that good of a game honestly, but I, I do enjoy it for the puzzle that it is. Um, mm. It's very it's a very interesting puzzle. It's also, it can also be a very angering puzzle. Like, I think this game can make people very angry at each other because you're all trying to accomplish these goals. And if somebody doesn't understand the concepts and the, what, like, the repercussions of decisions you make in trick-taking games, if somebody doesn't fully understand that, 
it can make the other people at the tango table pretty angry. Like, why would you yeah. leave that card? Why would you leave that card? That makes no sense, you know? <laughs> so, whereas in a, as a, as in a, uh, a competitive trick-taking game, it's like, nobody cares, really. Like, the only reason they'll ever get mad is if you're, like, negatively affecting them. But that's the point, is to win, like, individually. Yeah. But then when it's cooperative, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you're in a lot more danger for making bad decisions. So, anyways... Well, That's I not would, our game of the week. Yeah, I would give you my copy of The Crew if I hadn't already have given it away to my brother for his birthday. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a great That's birthday sp- gift challenge. Giveaway giveaway games you just don't want anymore. <laughs> I feel like he might enjoy it. Maybe, I don't know. If he has the time. But yeah, you're right. This is well, well. The Crew episode. I don't, you know, I hope that we never do crew as the game of the week. Uh, I'll, I'll sit out that episode if that's fine with you. I feel like, I feel like we just covered well enough kind of like, we just kind of did a double game of the week this episode. I feel like we just covered right. well enough what needs to be covered about the there crew. There you go. So the crew, a mediocre game that is appreciated too much. And now, and now for our game of the week. On to our real game of the week. Nate, what what we got today, man? What is our game of the week? This is this is a pretty great game, dude. This is a very good game, actually. But I kind of deceived the people by sounding uninterested. <laughs> yeah, like, man, what, what do we have to talk about today? Yeah. No, this game is interesting because this game is it has such a cool aesthetic. And it is so devoid of theme. There is no like theme integrated <laughs> into the game, like at all whatsoever. But yet the game looks, feels amazing. And that is yeah. tapestry. I I don't know if I'd go so as at so, so, how do you say that that phrase? I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that um, it is so devoid of theme. Because I think there's still fairly strong theme and it's just well it doesn't track super well what i what i was what i said is that it's devoid of theme as far as integration goes like the theme integrating with the mechanisms Mm -hmm. just doesn't okay let me give an overview of the game so that we can then kind of start there i think i mentioned this last podcast maybe um tapestry is essentially just moving up tracks of the game um in the base game, there's four tracks, and on your turn, you just pick one of those tracks and you get to move up. That's what you do. Uh, you have to pay a cost, and then you get a benefit. And then you may potentially be able to pay another smaller cost to get another smaller benefit. Um, and you do this until you run out of resources to spend. And once you run out of resources to spend, then you do an income turn where you produce more resources depending on how many uh, buildings you've removed off your player mat. You'll generate more resources for the next round. Uh, You'll get to play a card. You'll get to use maybe a couple other cards that you have off to the side, your technology cards. Um, And then you'll score some points also, depending on what's been taken off your mat. And then you will go on into the next round and spend more resources on moving up tracks again. There's four different tracks. One of them is like a technology track where you uh, 
you get to take like technology cards that give you more bonuses in the game uh, and those will go on a side of your player board and they can be kind of upgraded and their abilities used differently um, and then you have the exploration track where you're drawing tiles and putting them out on the center board um, and those will also give you points and little bonuses and then you have the military track where you can build towers out on the board on places that have already been explored and again you're getting points and little bonuses and man that's kind of what this game is too this kind this game is kind of points and little bonuses the game also isn't it i feel like as i'm explaining yeah. it like pretty much everything you do is like here's a little bonus yeah. there's kind a of a bonus. point you know, solid game here's a little bonus there's a little bonus. Yeah. here's some points there's some points um yeah. but that's the thing it's it, it is kind of point salady but it also kind of the, all the little bonuses you get, most of them are points. Most of them are things that you do that then you might get points, you know? Um, yeah. That's actually a really fun part of this game is kind of all the tiny little bonuses you get and you kind of min-maxing maybe what the best option is to get the, the most little bonuses. But, oh, yeah, because you don't want to be moving up on all four tracks equally. Like, you got to no, focus. No, no. Yeah, right. Um, I would say it's almost maybe not entirely but almost impossible to get to the end of all four tracks that would be yeah. you'd have to get very lucky also like things would I have to so. fall into place perfectly in order for that to happen but yeah um, i wonder if that's been done before let us know in the comments if you have done that and that show us proof quite a feat i mean really quite a feat i i know we've had one game of this that somebody got into the 400s on points which mm. is insane because the first time like you play this game, you you probably will not score. You might score 200 if you're lucky the first time you play this. And then as you figure it out, your score will start to increase more and more. But for, over 400 has only happened like twice, I think, and all the times Dang. we've played it. And that, it's a, that's, a, that's a huge score. So, yeah. That's crazy. <clears throat> so what I was kind of getting to is that this game has a civilization theme which is cool. And like I said, it the game looks and feels great. And so from that perspective, the theme is great. But ultimately, all you're doing is just picking a cube and pushing it further up a track and then getting a bonus. And even if those tracks are themed as a progressing civilization, you know, it's kind of like it, 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 you're just moving up a track and getting something, right? And the something you get might be a yellow card over there, like a radio. Like maybe you moved up the track from like to like some type of farming or something, and then you got a radio card. It's like, what, what? you know? <laughs> a little uh, bit of a disconnect there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you also don't move up the tracks equally either, so you might be super advanced on science and have no military, which could be thematic, I suppose. That could be possible. Well, eh, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't seem like you, you're just a society that's very intellectual that's just going to get steamrolled by other civilizations. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> In reality, that happened. If you have tanks and yet you have no knowledge of science, there's a bit of a disconnect there. <laughs> Maybe you stole the tanks. Well, okay. You're just, you're just constantly stealing the tanks. Yes, constantly. That's what you have more. Sure. And yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. But the game does look incredible. The art is great. The aesthetic is great. The, the production quality, of course, this is a Stonemeyer game, a Jamie Stegmeyer game. The production quality is yeah. everything you want it to be. Um, even the little cubes are nice, I have to say. So, and all the all the player mats and boards—they have like this texture to them. It's yeah. almost the signature 
Stonemeyer high quality texture. Which I is well, cool. kind of the the mats especially have this interesting. It's almost like there's a an epoxy with sand on it or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that I've never felt before in a game. It's very interesting. Um, the the cards span like rule books have a very similar texture. Oh well, I, as I know what you're talking about card. because yeah. um, so does the the uh, the tapestry rule book. Um, it kind ah. of has a texture to it, but the player yeah. mats and stuff have even more, like that texture is even more exaggerated. Like it even has ah, more gotcha. grip. And I wonder, you have all these little, what is it like? I think it's five of each color. So you have 25 little huts sitting on your player mat. And I wonder yeah. if that is why it's like that. So that if you bump your mat, not all your houses fall over and go rolling Ooh, or slide probably. off. You know, I wonder if that That's is maybe why. Well, that's the kind of thing that Stonemeyer Games, I think, takes really seriously. That's one of the main reasons that Scythe has a double layer, like player mats, player yeah. boards, yeah. because you have all these cues and upgrades. And if you bump it, it's going to be really hard to get everything back on the right spot. And I, I know that was intentional by Jamie, so I'm sure they approached it the same way. Yeah. Um but a double, I, I think they probably figured for this, it's not as important, but still, so like not important enough to verify or to validate building double player or double layer mats. But they put this texture on it that still works pretty well. I mean, if you obviously you give your board a good push, like you're going to knock sure. things over. But yeah. It, and also on top of that, it feels high quality. It feels nice too. You're like, you feel this, you're like, wow, I've never felt anything mm -hmm. like this in a game before. Pretty cool. So. Well, even jumping into the, all those huts you were describing, they're like this, uh, it's like a hard rubber, just sort of some sort of fancy plastic. They, they have to be 3D printed or something. For sure, yeah. Just yeah. for how much detail they have. But then all of the, the landmark buildings that are all like painted or we don't know if they're hand painted. They may not be hand painted because that would be take a lot of time. That'd be, yeah, that'd be so no much way. time. But then how do, how do you print that? How do you print such detail in everything? Well... What I'm saying. I mean, I mean, everything's 3D printed now. I don't. So, like, the actual detail doesn't surprise me. I don't know how they're colored. It must that, be similarly some kind of machine that also called, like paints them. But that's the one of the selling points for this game, I guess, for some people is that there's a bunch of like 3D miniature buildings, and they all come pre-painted, which is pretty cool. Some people might not like that because they might want to paint their own. But for hmm. those of us who don't do that, it's pretty cool. It definitely adds to the theme. It, it takes this somewhat thematically disconnected game and makes it look awesome. It does. Yes, it looks very good. Very good. And that's the other thing that's going on in this game is you have your another little sideboard. You have like three. Yeah, you have like three basically player board things kind of. But one of them is a mat where all the buildings you take off your income mat go onto this mat. Um, as well as any big buildings you get from moving up the tracks. Um, and all of those go onto this mat, which is kind of a little Tetrisy puzzle where you're trying to fill in this grid. Uh, and you'll get, like, every three by three you fill in, you get a resource. And every row and column you fill in, you can score points off of. And so everything, it's just this, it's just like the tapestry is like this big machine. Um, and everything you do is like a lever. And every lever you pull might have one, two, three, or four reactions. You know, it's like I place this, which lets me do that, which lets me get this, which does this, and I get some points. You know, 
but also it's not just that the end goal is that I got points, is that I advanced in three other areas of the game also. Like I got another mm -hmm. map off my building. That's going to give me points, but it's also going to give me more resources or whatever. And it's going on this map, which is going to maybe give me a resource when I fill in a grid and might score me points, you know? Yeah. Like there's so many angles to everything in this game. It's amazing. The thing about all those levers though, which I so love about the game is the the progression of it. It's kind of like when you start like riding a bike and you you take those first couple of pedals it's like, it feels like you're doing a bunch of work and not really much is happening. But then the more you go, like you just, you just start coasting. It's like this compounding effect. Hmm. It's the beginning of tapestry. You're taking all, all these actions that only cost you one resource and they give you one little reward. And it's like, oh man, like I only have so many turns. Yeah. I'm going to be able to take over the course of the game. How am I going to, if I want to get a, a record score, how am I going to get 300 or 400 points out of this? Mm -hmm. But then it's just like over the course of the game, if you built your foundation correctly, and maybe there's a little bit of luck involved, probably a lot of there luck. There is some. Yeah. It gets you some good cards, some good tapestry cards you're playing, probably things that other people are doing. You can start getting some pretty crazy turns that generate a lot of points, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think what I've found in this game is that if you're playing the game wisely skillfully whatever um you can probably if you're really thinking ahead really making good decisions you can probably get up into the 300s if you want to get up into the 400s you have to make all those right decisions and there has to be some luck put in like you have to also draw really good cards you have to also there also have to be good um technology tiles out there also have to be the people, the things that the other people do in the game don't affect you negatively too much, whereas sometimes they do. Well, if those things all fall into place too, that's when you get into the really high record score ability, I think. Um, yeah. But all, but all of that is all of that stuff happening on its own is not going to win you the game. It's not a luck based game at all. Still, the the brunt of how well you do in the game will come from the decisions you make, and then in conjunction with the other maybe possibly fortuitous things that happen is what could give you a really, really good score. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I feel very confident in that, in my opinion, because I have played this game, I don't know even how many times. I've had it for a year and a half or two and a half years maybe. Um, and yeah, I think two and a half years now. And yeah, played it a ton of times. And that is very 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 much how i feel about kind of how the, the scoring slash ability to attain victory kind of has worked out what's your record score in tapestry ah it's i i have not ever really ever kept track of record scores um hmm. but it is uh, i'm one of the people that scored above 400 reagan did it first um and he scored 400 something and then i just barely peaked his or topped his score <laughs> also at 400 Dang. something but i can't was remember. that was that with an expansion or the base game i think reagan did it before wait let me think i think reagan did it before we had the expansion and i did it afterwards and that's the okay. arts and architecture expansion yeah was that which is cool like adds in a fifth track there. yeah which yeah. is yeah crazy yeah so how do you feel about this game? Well, it should be pretty clear <laughs> that the, in my mind, the detachment of the theme from the mechanisms does not bother me too much. And this is one of my favorite games. 
the just like I was saying earlier, I just love that it's the game in itself is like this one big machine and it's just figuring out which levers to pull in what order. And then, but also thinking there has to be, you have to be thinking ahead quite a bit, not just I pull this lever, I get that, but I pull this lever, it has these effects and those effects will benefit me in the future, possibly now, they also might possibly set me up to do something on my next turn or two turns from now as well. Um, and this the, the game is just kind of this constant battle of trying to get more resources because more resources will get you further along the tracks. And there's this mm -hmm. interesting, there's this other interesting part of the game, which we didn't talk about yet, which is the science track. And the science track lets you occasionally, maybe four or five times, lets you roll a die. And the die has a picture of all the tracks on it and whatever rolls you get to move up on that. And so the problem is the first two times you get to roll the die on this track, you don't get the benefit of the track that shows up. So the first two times you roll the die, whatever rolls, you get to move up on the track that it shows, but you don't get anything. You don't have to pay, but you don't get anything either. And when we first started playing the game, we could not figure out why that would be a good thing. Why am I paying to move up on this track so that I can move up on that track and get nothing? I get nothing from the track. <laughs> sure. And the more you play the game, the more you realize, well, really kind of the goal of the game is to get to the end of the tracks because obviously the benefits increase the further down you get. And mm -hmm. so the interesting thing about the science track that I like is that it's a way of getting to the end of it where you have some really good bonuses, but also at the same time you're getting to move up on other tracks. So you're kind of getting a two for one, even if sometimes you don't even get to do anything on the other tracks, you might miss the benefits sometimes. It's an interesting strategy that, I, it, that's what I like is it, you can do a science strategy where you're like, I'm gonna focus on the science track and maybe one other track and see what happens. You know, A lot yeah. of times I don't do that. And so it's interesting when you start the game, you kind of have to decide which tracks you want to focus on more. Because like we said earlier, you cannot focus on all four equally. You're just, there's no way you would win. And so you have to really kind of focus in and say, all right, this game, I'm going to try maybe these two tracks and see how that works out, you know? And then maybe next game, I'll try those two. Maybe go back to these two, but do it differently, you know? So I just think this game is a, a wealth of opportunity and options and as such have played it quite a few times and look yeah. forward to doing so more. Yeah, man. The The weird thing about Tapestry is I, I know we've been harping on how there's this thematic disconnect um, from, from, from the theme to the mechanisms. But here, here's the thing about Tapestry. It's not just that that doesn't bother me. It's when I think of Tapestry and when I sit down and play the game, it still gives me a very strong feeling though do you know what i mean like it, it has its own atmosphere that it puts you in whether or well, not there's a thematic disconnect it's like tapestry is a very strong experience more so than some than some lame euro games will give you i know what you mean and that sounds nice but every game does that when you think about sitting down and playing any game there is a certain atmosphere that comes with every game sure but but those come with different levels of intensity perhaps and perhaps certain levels of pleasure you know like tapestry is a game that puts you in a happy place and like if i i played um grand Astro hotel the other day which was a pretty good game um thematically it's okay but it just feels sort of like that bland tan colored euro game where you're, you're getting some cubes and then you're getting some cards out of it 
tapestry feels more like I'm actually accomplishing things. I mean, it, it's definitely helped by all the card art, by even the art on the game board, um, the descriptions, like every time you get out a little, um, one of those little hovels or huts from your board, it has a little description under them, like moving up from war games to tabletop games and whatnot, like on the military version. So it's, I, I don't know, it's, it, it has a different feeling that it gives me than, than most other games will. I guess I can understand that. I think, I guess like I was saying earlier, the aesthetic is very well done. And so I suppose the aesthetic in very much influences the kind of the vibe that you get from the game while you're playing it. Yeah, so, very much so. Yeah. And a tapestry is pretty distinct. Yeah. Where, where does this fall for you in your top hundo? Uh, it's either in the top 10 or just, just knocking outside the door. Okay. Not hundred percent sure, but yeah, this, uh, this rose for me and beginning of this year, it's sitting at number six for me. That's yeah. I mean that if you think about actually, okay. I wonder now. Is that your still only your? Are there still two Stonemire games ahead of it, or is there only one Stonemire game ahead of it? Uh, only one Stonemire game ahead. Okay. Of it. Okay. Yeah. So the other thing we didn't talk about with Tapestry actually is the civilization, the different civilizations you can have, um, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because we've spent a lot of time talking about Tapestry. <laughs> yeah. Here, but we got to get to our top five here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different Tapestry or civilizations that come with the game like a lot and some of them are really good and some of them are not so good in fact some of them are not so good to the point that you like just get to start the game with more points because your civilization's <laughs> so weak <laughs> which is just just depressing there's even one that you start with negative points because your civilization is so strong uh which so that's is pretty awesome funny. yeah it is um but those are cool those also can give you some direction in the game also that influences what your strategy is going to be so those are awesome, and there's a lot of them that come in the game, uh, and all the all the expansions add in more of them too. So it's great. Yeah. Well, okay, Nate, if well, we're gonna we we gotta do this thing. We're gonna have to rip yeah. through these probably. That's all right. That's all right. We got a top five to tackle. What is Indeed. our top five, Cody? Top five sci-fi games, or for the uninitiated, that is science fiction. Is there anybody who doesn't know what sci-fi means? That's not three or ninety-three. Hmm. What about 91, 92? You skipped a couple there. It, it was like it was like a figure of speech, Cody. Well, is, is that is that really a figure of speech? All right. All right, let's move on. Is there anyone 90 or 93 <laughs> who has heard that phrase before? <laughs> 90 or 90. I said 3 or 93, Cody. Oh, is that what you this, said? This okay. is ridiculous. I, I, I heard like 90 I'm or 93. Arguing. Like, that, that's stupid. Oh, okay, okay. Now I understand your gripe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're not, just get, okay. Nate, okay. what's your number five? <laughs> <laughs> All right, science fiction games. My number five. So these are my top five science fiction games. I, I guess I are, should interrupt. How, how did you how did you choose the games for your list? They're what my, was your criteria? They're my five games that I like, but that give me kind of the most immersion into the science fiction theme. Um, okay, okay. So as a little spoiler, for example, a game that did not make my top five is Dune Imperium, even though it is one of my absolute favorite games. Hmm. The 
I, to me, it's just not that immersive a game of a game at all. I absolutely love the game mechanically. It is amazing, but it's just like I don't. I didn't even think of it at first while I was making my list, and then as I was kind of going through games, I was like, "Oh, Dune Imperium, yeah, okay, I guess that is a sci-fi game." Hmm. <laughs> you know, like it just doesn't <laughs> seem like it should be on the list. You know, okay. So even though the actual world of Dune is an incredibly complex and intricate science fiction world. It just, just doesn't come bit. through in Dune Imperium, really. So, okay. What about you? Um, uh, I kind of just went through my my top hundo and just started going down the list looking for sci-fi games. I I had some restrictions, so there there's a game in here that has a very closely related game, um, that I would have been also included in the top five. But since they're so similar, I just kept one. I actually, I kind of did about. that. I may I might have done that twice actually. Then there's another game that I left off that I just haven't, like, I probably arguably enjoy it more than at least one of the games on my list, but I haven't played it enough to feel like I could really talk about it well, so I just, just left it off the list. I feel, I, like, I feel like everything you just secretly talked about, I know what all of those games are, but we will find out. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how close you are. Let, let's start with you, though. What, what was your number five? My number five is a game I've only played once, and I played it a very long time ago, but I remember enjoying it a fair amount, a decent amount, and I remember also that it was pretty thematic, and that is Tiny Epic Galaxies. Hmm. Um, like I said, I don't remember a ton about this game. I remember being very satisfied with this tiny little game. I think it was actually the first... No, maybe I played Tiny Epic Tactics first, but it was... It's such a tiny little box, and which is so funny because space games especially... Like, it's hard to find a space game that doesn't come in a huge box these days, right? Yeah, um, sure. But I just thought it was cool. Like, you're going to planets, and you're, like, moving up tracks a little bit. Um, and there's, like, a few different planets, but those kind of rotate. You, like, like planets will disappear, and new ones will show up that you can kind of explore and go to and influence. And, yeah, um, for being such a tiny little box, I think it packs a good punch. And it felt not complex, but it definitely felt strategic. Um and yeah, like I said, I, I don't remember too much about exactly about how the game works, but I remember it left a very good impression on me. And it's still like for a game that I've only played once in a very long time ago, it's it's still stayed in my top 100 and maybe even in my top 75, although maybe not. But hmm. like for a game I've only played once in a very long time ago, I felt that it really had a good space theme that integrated well. And it's also a game that I just have a, like, I recall fondly when I think about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Decent pick. That's, uh, I just checked my list. It's sitting at number 75 for me. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. it, it stayed, it stayed on the list. I still just sold it recently because I never got it to the table. And uh, too bad. There's a lot of games I'd, I'd rather play over it, but I, I still respect that. Um, my number five is a game that I think you probably want to play quite a bit and you have um, not played before star wars rebellion no anachrony oh man okay yeah 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 okay yeah, sure yeah um yeah anachrony is an interesting game i okay you know that i i had some high hopes going into this game some high expectations and they weren't quite met, which I was kind of afraid was going to happen. Uh, hard really to articulate why. I think I've only played two games of it at this point. Um, but I think I was just hoping for this incredible 
thematic worker placement game. And that's kind of what I got. I'm not saying it's a bad game at all. I, 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 I need to I need to give it some more plays. <laughs> Let me get this straight. What? You wanted something and you got it. Okay. All no, right. I said I it's kind of what I got. Oh, okay. All kinda. right. Kinda. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so again, I it's hard for me to really articulate why I was necessarily disappointed, other than it just it didn't quite uh, tickle that thematic space fancy uh, that I was hoping to get out of, or sci-fi fancy. But Anachrony, it's it, su- super popular, um, super well-known, super sought after. It was like out of print for a long time, and I just jumped on it uh, a couple months ago from your your fine tip of knowing that it was available. Yeah. But it's a time travel focused game. Like that is the primary theme. Um, I, w- I wouldn't say civilization game, but it, there are asymmetrical player powers um, that you can really get into as you play the game but you can borrow resources from yourself in the future and then in the future you have to pay those resources back otherwise you get penalized for basically breaking the time space continuum anomaly thing but the thing is you don't have to pay those resources back you can just deal with it and sometimes there is strategy to that just be a rule breaker Uh, yeah for sure and there's just a lot going on in this game i mean some of it that's not I don't know why I'm talking about the parts that I dislike. It's like it's on my top five list. <laughs> I should be talking about why it's good. <laughs> cool art, cool theme. I may get the upgraded exosuit um, things at some point, but it's like forty dollars, and that's just expensive yeah, just to get some to upgraded pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, interesting game. What's your number four? <laughs> Man, I feel like I love my number four way more than you love your number five. Uh, okay. I won't spend too much time talking about my number four because it's Terraforming Mars. Um, I feel like we've talked about that game a lot, and I feel like people just in general know about this game a lot. Um, I've played this game a ton, an absolute metric ton. And dang, it's, it's a very solid game, even though it's not super complex. Um, there, there is some detachment from the theme in all the cards you play because it kind of just becomes this playing cards, generating resources, generating income kind of a cycle. Um, and you can kind of get lost in that and completely forget about the theme. But also, there is the actual Mars board where you're putting oceans out and you're putting greenery tiles out and you're building cities and you're raising the oxygen level and raising the temperature and all these different things that you're doing. Those all feel very thematic. Like, very, very thematic. You're, like, spending plants and building a greenery. Um, yeah. You, like, play a card that, like, melts some of the glaciers on Mars and you put two oceans out on the board, you know? Stuff like that that's very cool. And so the the theme, I feel like, comes through decently well, not in the card play so much as it does in, like, the actual board play. Um, but then the, the strategy is there, too. You know, putting two oceans out on the board is also a very important thing. Where do you put them, you know? Well, if you put them here, you get bonuses, but you want to put them where you're going to build greenery next to them because you get little discounts. Um, and so it's just, yeah, the, uh, the board play is very interesting to me. But then also with the colonies expansion, I find it even more interesting. You have these different uh, like planets, moons, whatever that you can go to uh, that you can trade with essentially, not a trade, maybe more like mine, but basically that you can go to and get resources from. And so you also have all these other planets up at the top of the board that you can send your ships to. Um, so it's, it's a very fun game and the card play is a lot of fun. 
but then there is a lot of theme in the board and in the colonies and and all of that so yeah very yeah. fun game yeah good game well i'm just going to speed through these so we can stay in a decent time i'm not going to talk about terraforming mars nate i'm going to talk about roll for the galaxy is my number four mm-hmm. okay and I'm, spoiler I'm... alert because of that you're not going to see race for the galaxy that's on what this i thought list. yeah this is satisfying the FTG, uh, the R for the galaxy, whatever, whatever. You, know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, Roll, uh, at first I still enjoyed Race for the Galaxy more than Roll, and then Roll progressively replaced that place in I'm my not heart. Surprised. Yeah, I still like the simplicity of Race for the Galaxy in that it's just what? cards. Simplicity? Yeah. Get out of well, here, man. It's not a simple game. I'm saying the role for the galaxy, <laughs> you, you've got all these tokens and then you've got dice and cups. Race, it's just like, okay, I'm going to play a card, but wait, I'm going to use the cards in my hand as the cost for that card. I it's, hate that. It's cool. I, hate I that. love that. So, fight Roll me. is better. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> roll just implements a separate mechanic if you're going to roll these dice and the dice have different faces that they can land on. That may let you use them as a resource towards a development, or they may you may use them as a resource for a world, or there's other stuff you can do with them. You can ship resources to to get points or get monies, and yeah, it's pretty dope. You should play it. You should buy it. You should own mm, it. I have played it. I probably uh, will not ever buy it because I don't uh, like it that much. But that's sad. It's an alright game. Definitely it's was pretty- not in my definitely was. I never even considered it for this game. Also because it's not immersive at all in the space theme. I don't think. Like I, th- I think it's moderately immersive. I don't know. I mean, you are doing some things like, you know, trading, shipping, and like, I don't know, the, the tiles are kind of immersive a little bit, I guess. But I feel like in general, like, I don't think about any of that stuff when I play the game, you know? Hmm. Yeah. My number three is actually, I almost didn't put it on the list because it's an IP game. And for some reason, I just kind of felt like, it's not just an IP game, it's the IP. And that, of course, <laughs> is Star Wars Imperial Assault. Uh, um, it almost felt wrong to put a Star Wars game on just because it's like a shoe-in, kind of, you know? Like, well, if you've played a good Star Wars game, of course it'll end up on the list, you know? And so I almost didn't want to. But Imperial <laughs> Assault, really, if I'm talking about immersion, is very good because it's, it's a cooperative kind of... has a role-playing feel to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only now a little bit of a disclaimer. This game's intended to be played one person playing the the dark side, one person playing the Empire, whereas multiple other people play as heroes. I played this only with two players, so we played cooperatively against mm. um, kind of the the app, the Legends of the Alliance app that automates the Empire's movement. Um, gotcha. I feel like that pulls away from the experience because there's more upkeep you have to do, kind of kind of in a Gloomhaven style, I would say. Um, where you're like you're managing all the enemies basically and what they're doing, which is kind of annoying. Um, the app does a good job of streamlining it, but still, I feel like it would be a better experience, players versus players. But at any rate, it is a it's a very good game, um, and I love the, the your your characters that you have progress. You get new weapons for them. Uh, you can trade out your old weapons. You can sell them and get new weapons and get attachments for your guns and for your. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, so I like that part quite a bit. And of course, it's a Star Wars game. It has cool minis and it has, you know, uh, yeah, just lots of cool Star Warsy stuff. So I do like it quite a bit. Cool. Yeah, I haven't played it, but I, I intend to someday. Well, my number three, <laughs> Terraforming Mars 
Ares Expedition. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. So, again, spoiler alert, you ain't going to see Terraforming Mars on this list. Um, I mean, yeah, I I enjoy Ares Expedition just a little bit more than Terraforming Mars. I haven't played the original TM as much, definitely, as I've played Ares Expedition. And I know Ares Expedition streamlines the concept. It gets rid of a bunch of stuff, and then it takes the, the Race for the Galaxy um, phase selection system uh which is a pretty cool integration uh but then yeah same thing you're putting out um oceans there there's no cities in this um and there's also not greenery tiles you just get greenery points basically for um turning in enough green 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 life plant life i guess (laughs) to to build your forest cashing it into the bank (laughs) yeah Here's my plants. Give me a forest. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I it's I mean, Terraforming Mars already is a very strong card game because you have a massive deck of cards. Yeah. They're all unique. And I'm not sure if Ares Expedition has more cards or not. It, it I may mean, have more. It's a pretty thick deck. The expansions for Terraforming Mars add more in. So like if you get colonies, you get more cards. If you get turmoil, you get more cards. So hmm. yeah. But so far, no expansions I know of for Ares Expedition. Maybe we'll get some. But yeah, if you want a I think cheaper, more streamlined version of TM, grab it. I, I would push back a little bit. We've talked about this before. I feel like they're different enough games that I wouldn't say it's just... It is a streamlined version. I, that I would agree with. But I feel like it's so streamlined that they feel like different games too. It's not just mm-hmm. like Terraforming Mars, the second edition kind of. you know, it, They definitely feel like different games. Um, but... It is good. It was on my short list, but again, it just wasn't that immersive to me, you know, like because the board part is so not emphasized at all in Ares Expedition. It's really just about the cards that, like I was saying earlier, the part about Terraforming Mars that really immerses me is the all the board stuff. And so that's why it didn't quite make it for me. Hmm. Sure. I'll allow my, it. My number two is a game that could possibly has never been mentioned on the podcast. Maybe it has, Ooh, but I do not think one. it has ever been mentioned. In part because I haven't played it in a long time. And that is Risk 2210 AD. Um, mm-hmm. This is... I think this might... and You could maybe push back on this, Cody, at some point in the future. Um, <laughs> this is the best, probably one of the best, if not the best, implementations of the Risk system. Um because like we've all played risk and we all kind of i don't know maybe appreciate risk for what it was it was kind of the, like the first uh, war type game like that and it's pretty cool like even classic risk is still like, the older you get the less fun it is probably because like <laughs> man i'm just kind of rolling dice you know yeah um but there is some tacticalness to the game um but this this version of risk is much more strategic you have five different um, commanders that you can get. And those commanders all have their own specialties and they all have their own deck of cards. And so if you get a commander, you've now unlocked this deck of cards that you can purchase cards from. And some of these cards are super powerful. Like you have like a nuclear commander with nuclear cards where you can like, you know, do like chemical warfare and nuclear stuff to the to the board, you know? And yeah. uh, you've got a, a space commander. If you have a space commander, you can go to the moon. The moon is in this game. 
you have space stations and you can send troops to the moon and control territories on the moon. And there's, um, there's underwater territories also that connect some of the continents. Um, and so the game, it, it, it's, it's, it feels more Euro-y because I mean, there's still dice rolling, um, but you have these commanders with their own cards and there's like currency in the game. There's energy that you can buy cards with and that you use to bet on who will um, go first or second or third or whatever every round. You use the energy to bet on that too. And so it feels like a more Euro-y, much more strategic version of Risk. And the theme is so cool too. You've got mechs and all this, these commanders and all this stuff going on. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've only played that game once, and that was a long time ago. Uh, but I remember enjoying it quite a bit more than traditional Risk. For sure, it's I mean, it's hard not to unless you like really have some sort of weird opposition to like science fiction theme stuff. <laughs> if sure. you don't, and you like Risk, <laughs> you will like this version of Risk more. I think, although it is longer. Do you know what I think you'll enjoy more than that? Probably your number two game. Probably my number two, which is Dune Imperium. That's right, Nate. I did it. <laughs> Okay. I respect well, you know the what? sci-fi universe. I'm glad you did, so we can we can talk about it a little bit. So hey, if you if you took an IP game and put Imperial Assault on here, I can do Dune Imperium. Yeah, I, I allow it. I allow it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. Dune Imperium. Um often related to Lost Ruins of Arnak because they both came out, I think, the same year or very close to each other, and they were both an implementation of a combo worker placement and deck builder. They're very different games, though, so we're not we're not going to talk about that. Uh, we're just we're just going to deal with that here for for that second. But Dune Imperium, yeah, worker placement deck builder, it works. It's it's kind of like there's just a a little bit of deck building and a moderate amount of worker placement, and then a whole lot of Dune Imperium. It's kind of what you're working <laughs> with, you know. Okay. It's it's, I like just, it. it's it's kind of its own thing, um, be, because then you've got not just those classic mechanisms that everyone's familiar with but then you've got this sort of combat system that's resolved every round that there's it's very cloak and dagger and it matches the dune universe really well because you can put in some troops and then you can have these hidden uh i forget what the cards are called are they intrigue intrigue cards intrigue cards yeah you can play them that can suddenly change the course of the battle in the way you weren't expecting or maybe someone was planning on losing the battle and that's how they're going to get a point out of it. And points are really scarce in the game. And so one point is a, a lot of points. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Cody Pennington, one point is a lot of points. <laughs> in Mother Russia, doing Imperium plays you. <laughs> Just go with it, man. Uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, doing Imperium, the... There's there's a lot of games on my top 100 list that rose quite a few places where I didn't initially like the game too much, or maybe it was just um, I enjoyed the game moderately, and then it really rose. I'm thinking Tapestry, for one, went up a lot of places. Champions of Midgard went up a lot of places, and Dune Imperium probably rose some of the most spaces. Hmm. Um, probably mainly because I, I'm just not as big on the war games aspect like war games are cool it's just I, I i prefer doing my own thing and kind of there's that head-to-head tension where you have to fight for those points in dune but i i've, I've come to appreciate it more yeah so i mean a cool story it's it's weird because like using the term war game 
like instantly like makes me go whoa, whoa, whoa okay you know because like <laughs> sure war game like this has a combat aspect to a euro game right yeah there's, and that's I mean, there's nothing I mean. war gamey about it at all like the you know there's no map there's no dice rolling there's no troop movement really it's like it's a very abstracted euro-y combat mm-hmm. part of a euro game i would say yeah. sure but, but i but understand a, what you're saying about is very yeah. necessary for the game yes it's a yeah i understand why you don't like that yeah all right my number one could also possibly be your number one we will find out it also mm-hmm. might not be and that's black angel um mm-hmm. we've talked about it a lot i won't talk about it too much but it's a very not very complex but it's decently complex in that there's just so many things going on oh man uh there's dice placement there's like uh card play there's a rotating board um or maybe a cycling board is the better way to put it that you're placing cards on and using little ships to move around and um but that the whole the whole reason it really hit number one is not just because i like the game so much but because it is very very immersive i mean uh, it's it's amazing like all the little like spaceships and the little uh uh android guys and uh you know doing doing things on the ship and getting rid of the reavers and fixing the broken things on the ship and then putting your little your little android boys in little tiny spaceships and then sending them out into space and going to planets and visiting other alien races you know like sometimes never amazing. to be seen again sometimes to fall off the edge of the galaxy um <laughs> But it's amazing and the game is just beautiful like the colors pop so much it has such a cool distinct uh neon yeah. kind of theme um, yeah man it's just amazing it's just amazing yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna show my hand black angel did not make my list it's not my number one so um tell me why what? and then i want to guess your number one sure uh black angel it it i probably enjoy it more than anachrony So it probably would have made the list as my number five, maybe my number four. The reason I left it off is because it's, I I haven't played it enough and it's been a while since I've played it to where I feel like I wouldn't have been able to explain the game super well or talk very authoritatively about it. Sure. Um, But thematically it it struck me more than Anachrony did. And I keep relating them because there there were some aspects of Anachrony that kind of reminded me of Black Angel. Like there's these buildings in Anachrony that you can build that um, sort of are functionally pretty similar to the tectiles you can get in Black Angel where it's hard to get a whole bunch of them and they all just kind of have a moderately effective ability, but they're still kind of pretty important to the game. Anyway, you'll play Anachrony and you'll understand. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. So um, you want to guess my number one then? I really want to... I, I feel like I must be forgetting something because I really want to say it's Star Wars Rebellion, but I just don't know how much you like Star Wars Rebellion. So tell me oh. I'm wrong or tell me I'm right. Uh, first, I'm just going to mock you and <laughs> tell you that Star Wars Rebellion is number 95 on my list. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I knew you'd played it. and. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. No. Um, number one, I thought about making scythe, and I think there's probably no. a strong argument you can make for scythe. There to be is sci-fi, not because there, there are strong not. 
there are strong sci-fi elements. I mean, you've got mechs, man. You've got You're so wrong, Cody. Nikola Tesla making whack technology. But I decided that to me, Scythe is closer to like an alternate history historical yes. game. It, it's, I don't really think sci-fi when I play it. But I, I'll, I'll say there's a good argument you can make for it. No, nope. so fight me. Fight me on this. So you're saying there's a good argument, but you didn't make a good argument, Cody. I did make a good... There's mechs. (laughs) What else do you want? (laughs) Are mechs not sci-fi? What's your number one? What is it? My number one is underwater cities, homie. Okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah, guess, that, yeah, yeah, that's right, Nate. It's it's definitely <laughs> not science fiction to live underneath the water. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell that to fish, Cody. I am under the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't uh, really say you're wrong, so I won't. So, well, it's because I'm right. Underwater Cities was my number one game for about a year. It temporarily replaced Scythe, and then it moved back down the list. I do love this game. Very strong engine building game. Another one of those games where the the deck of cards is all all different unique cards. Yeah, um, I I love the domes in the game. I I know it's, I would say it's a small thing. And I guess aesthetically, it's a a small component of the game. But at the same time, the domes make it like you, you you've got I haven't seen that piece before in a game and they probably had to get some sort of custom uh, I'm just gonna say it. To get the domes games. are overhyped. They're overhyped. They're underhyped, man. We need more games with domes, and we need them now. <laughs> more dome top ten dome games. <laughs> Nate, I hope we live long enough and we make enough episodes to make that list. Top ten, top ten dome games. Top ten dome games, because that means there has to be like forty of them, oh, so that yeah. we can actually pick good games. Man, we will not live that long. Uh, we'll see. In heaven, we'll be playing. We'll be playing our top ten dome games. <laughs> I don't know if underwater cities will be in heaven, Cody. Uh, well, this this podcast has gone on long enough. We we've run a little bit over time. You know, I just want to point out that, like, there have been some things in the past, like, one minute of the podcast that have been cut out. The past one minute has probably been about three minutes. But I think in total, what you've said about underwater cities that's going to make the cut here is that it, it's it is science fiction and it has domes. And it has domes. I think that might be all you've really said about the game, dude. Domes are like the most science fiction thing that there is ever. Uh, unless you want to actually give a reason for it being your number one, maybe we should just uh, call it quits. Well, actually, here's what I was thinking. That that mover game concept you're telling me about, I think it'd be a lot better if you used domes somewhere in there. I will get back to you on that. Okay. And remember, in space, no one can hear you play board games. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been the Tabletop Shop Podcast, featuring me and, and me. Him. Yeah. You know our names probably if you listen to the beginning of the podcast, which if you if you're listening right now, you probably listen to the beginning of the podcast. But here's the deal. We love you guys. And we need you to show us some love. We need you to hit that subscribe button and that like button and all and the stuff. Possibly even in the form of an email to tabletopshop23 at gmail.com. Give that us your criticisms dope. and your encouragements. Nate will read it, I will reply to it.